Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Stacy and welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, you can visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Tally Campbell, Vice President and General Manager with the Coquitlam Express of the BCHL. Tally is an up-and-coming hockey executive with a number of management experiences on his resume throughout the past seven years in the BCHL. Not afraid to take on a challenge, he has experience in both business and hockey operations, and both have allowed him to grow his abilities and should bode well for him moving forward. With that, I'm happy to present Tally Campbell, Vice President and General Manager with the Coquitlam Express. This weekend, the NHL playoffs is coming in hot, but as fans of sports overall, we know that this weekend's UFC 262 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. You just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and, of course, hockey, where DraftKings have even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Tally Campbell. Vice President and General Manager of the Coquitlam Express. Tally, thanks for joining the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm ecstatic to have you on. And we talked a little bit uh, prior to the interview. And uh, we went to meant to connect there a few weeks back. And things kind of just got crazy. And then, of course, with the BCHL season finishing up, there was a lot on your plate as well. And um, But, you know, better late than never. And now we're able to connect and also give listeners a little bit of feedback and, and insight into your career. So let's just mm-hmm. start off by learning about you. Uh, give people just some information on you uh, personally. Yeah, of course. So I was actually born in Edinburgh, Scotland. So uh, didn't move to Canada till my third birthday. So basically Canadian. I grew up here, obviously, in Canada. Um, I wasn't fortunate enough to actually play a lot of hockey growing up. My family couldn't afford it. Uh, so I was stuck to lacrosse and and soccer and things like that. Um, but anytime I had a chance, I got to get to games and watch buddies play at a young age. I always got out and, and did stuff like that. And then, you know, towards kind of, you know, uh, getting up to the you know, 12, 13-year-old, I realized that I was not a naturally born athlete. Um couldn't keep up to all my friends who, who were excelling in, in sports. So I slowly started focusing more on the media relations and business uh, side of things. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of went through the process, uh, played uh, lacrosse mainly growing up, um, but uh, did some, some, you know, skating lessons, but unfortunately my family couldn't necessarily afford to put me into hockey. As we all know, it's a, a pretty expensive sport to get kids into, but I uh, was very fortunate to have a lot of friends who were in hockey and got to, um, spend Saturday mornings uh, at a young age at the rink uh, watching uh, them play. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a, a barrier that a lot of people see. You know, hockey uh, is very expensive in that way, but um, it's interesting just to hear a lot of the different backgrounds, talking with other guests as well, 
Um, oftentimes, hockey actually isn't um, something they played. A lot of people weren't even involved in the game, uh, believe it or not. But you, you kind of get roped into it eventually. And I know personally, you uh, you were kind of looked at the business side, also working in different business jobs before going into hockey. And it kind of started with your schooling and public relations. So maybe just touch on that. And maybe if there was ever a sport influence to kind of going in that direction. Yeah. So as I grew up, you know, broadcasting was what I wanted to do. You know, I was able to watch obviously TSN and Sportsnet and all the, the broadcasters and, and really thought that was a fun job and wanted to really dive into it. So, uh, you know, the end of the goal was to go to uh, BCIT, which is uh, on the mainland in Vancouver um, to take broad sports broadcasting, um, jumped into the business side of, of the hockey um, while doing some of the, the broadcasting and game day relations and, and whatnot, and really found a love for, for the game of hockey. And that's kind of where it stuck out and, and jumped into kind of a full-time role um, thereafter. And so kind of realized that uh, sports broadcasting wasn't going to be the, the end goal for me. I uh, still obviously in, in, enjoy talking probably too much, some would say. Um, but uh, yeah, the business side of hockey is kind of where I dived into. Obviously, you know, I was a volunteer with the Nanaimo Clippers. That's my hometown team. Obviously, I have a Clipper jersey this side of me, um, behind me. So um, long-time fan, obviously a chance to, to volunteer and work for them. But I uh, did jump around a bit, obviously, with the Victoria Grizzlies in the business department. More so there was while I was going to the University of Victoria, uh, doing some public relation courses, theory and practice, and then obviously jumped to the Alberta Valley Bulldogs as their director of business operations before uh, landing in Nanaimo and, and now Coquitlam. So, yeah, I mean, broadcasting was, was was kind of one of my goals growing up. I had a little YouTube show, Talking Hockey with Tally, um, you know, and then uh, slowly realized that, uh, you know, broadcasting wasn't going to be the ultimate goal for me. It was going to be more so the business and, and really my passion uh, was hockey. Um, so it, uh, you know, worked out pretty well for myself. Definitely. It's it's always very interesting to, to hear that path and, and how things kind of shift. And everybody has this plan, especially going into with hockey and other sports, you know, you have this plan of a career and then you kind of get in there and it feels like, a week into the five-year plan, you, you kind of have to shift and, and things like that. And uh, you talked about a few of the positions that you held there, and maybe we'll now go back through some of them. Uh, let's just start with Port Alberni and the position of Director of Business Operations. Just talk about the process of joining that team and then the takeaways from working in that role. Yeah, so just prior to, to Alberni Valley, I worked with Victoria Grizzlies as their community relations uh, manager. And then um, throughout the middle of that season, our business manager had an unfortunate accident. So a lot of us in the staff had to kind of take a, a role on. And that's kind of where I fell into the sales and marketing uh, side of things. Uh, when I left the Victoria Grizzlies, um, I went back to Nanaimo, opened up my own business. And that's where I really found the love for business, um, but still missed the element of hockey. You know, that was the the thrill and, and, and joy of, of the business. So when the oper- when the opportunity came up with the Alberni Valley Bulldogs, I put my name forward and I was lucky enough by the board of directors of the Alberni Valley Bulldog Society to be selected as their director of business operations. And uh, I jumped into a team that had an incredible fan base, had an incredible support system, but it was a small community. And there was only so much you could do in terms of selling rink boards and, and getting fans out. So we had to be really creative in, in trying to find different ways to, to bring fans into the building. Uh, we weren't the strongest team necessarily. Um, so it was always tough. You weren't winning uh, all your games. So we had to really find ways to do different theme nights and, and, and get creative. And, and again, a small community, you know, of roughly 16,000 people. And so on, on great nights, we were averaging 10% of the entire community was out at a Bulldogs game. Um, and so we took obviously the business side that uh, was was losing money to uh, a net neutral, uh, where we really raised the, the corporate uh, identity of, of the, the place. And we had to obviously uh, add different uh, business opportunities, add more backlit signs. Uh, and so it really was an opportunity for me to get to that ground level of business and, and really work on the business all the way up from a nonprofit side. So we didn't have a, an owner with, with deep pockets who could cover losses if we had a loss. You know, it was up to the staff to make sure that we were doing everything possible um, to make sure that we were not overspending and we were bringing revenue in. So at the end of the year, we could, you know, put a either a small profit or, or, or no loss on the table. So, uh, you know, spent uh, some time there. And it was, like I said, a fantastic opportunity for myself to, to jump into the business and, and really get to uh, work on the ground level into a community like that, that, like I said, had an incredible fan base, had great billets, great volunteers. It was just, you know, you had to really use your creative mind to um, get the extra fans out there and, and find the extra revenue dollars uh, in the corporate side of things. So 
Um, you know, like I said, it was a, a great opportunity. I worked for board directors, which, uh, you know, I chuckle now. It's not the easiest, right? Uh, there's not one single owner that you report to, whether it's good or bad. You report to 12 different people and 12 different people have different opinions on things. Um, so it really made me uh, gain the the personal experiences and the relationship building uh, with the board of directors to find exactly, you know, a middle ground for, for everyone to be happy on. Um, and we were lucky again in Port Alberni. We were able to hold uh, host uh, the World Juniors, um, you know, pre-competition tournament, which was a, a great experience for myself uh, working with Hockey Canada. That was in my final month with the team where, you know, we brought uh, Team Kazakhstan into the city of Port Alberni and, they held their practices and even uh, two games in the facility. And that was a whole new level of, of experience and knowledge for me. So, um, you know, uh, I, I still have fond memories of, of Port Alberni. Uh, I still talk to a lot of the, the volunteers there and the billet families. And, uh, you know, as of recent as of, you know, this week, I was back in Port Alberni uh, taking in uh, uh, one of the games there. So it um, has a very close, uh, you know, piece to my heart. And, and like I said, it was uh, uh, my my basically that my stepping stone as I talk about you know a lot in this podcast I'll mention building a house and that's what a career is and, and we talk a lot with our players about building a house and uh, Port Alberni in my mind was uh, the foundation of that house that I was building for my career yeah and you know just taking all the takeaways from that and uh you know, well building that like you said that foundation of the business and how it works and uh you know junior hockey like you said is very interesting in the way that you often work with small communities and I've also heard other guests on the podcast talk about the task of working with a board of directors where you have multiple uh, people to work with. It, it just adds a different dynamic and, and sometimes it could be a struggle, but you, you, again, you learn to adapt and, and work with that and um, kind of grows your skill set. And then eventually you run into a position where you can kind of focus in on where you want, which is ultimately hockey operations. And uh, for you, that was with the Clippers. So maybe just talk about the transition to the Clippers and the opportunity to work in that role. Yeah, so I was, uh, you know, very fortunate to to land back with my hometown team, the team that got me involved in hockey, the team that that you know made me find my passion in the sport and in the business. And so um, I was lucky enough that the Clippers were in town in October uh, to take on the Alberni Valley Bulldogs, and the owner at the time of the Clippers, Wes Musio, who still owns the team now, but uh, he was there and and he was uh, you know talking to a few fans, I guess, and fans were were saying that you know. Um, yeah, the guy who does all of our business here is, is Tally Campbell, and he's actually a local Nanaimo kid. Um, and so, you know, that kind of got the, the wheel spinning. I got a phone call from one of my sponsors saying uh, a lawyer dropped his business card off here, you know, and he was talking about you. And I was like, what? And, and Wes is a lawyer by trade. And so the conversation kind of started over uh, one game when I was down in Nanaimo, and he wasn't necessarily happy with his current business staff, and they were losing a large chunk of money. Um, and so we, we started the conversation, and it was supposed to be kind of a, a start at the year end uh, of the season, not middle of the season like I started, but uh, things kind of went south for, for him and his staff. And so he had to depart his staff uh, in the end of November. And the Alberni Valley Bulldogs were in the, the, the position of selling to a new a new person. Um, so it really worked out well. Um, it it, it you know, normally doesn't work out well when you have to leave a, an organization mid-season and join a new one mid-season. But in this case, it really did. So I joined the, the Nanaimo Clippers as their director of business operations first. Um, so obviously, again, it's my hometown team. I, I grew up here. I know a lot of people. And, and it was just, you know, it felt like like it was natural um, jumping in and talking to businesses and, and, and getting the support uh, from the team. And so, you know, we went from uh, a large uh, loss the year before to to a, a you know, much smaller loss uh, the year after. And, and, you know, working obviously with the, the grassroots that we did of, of back into the community, making sure our guys were supporting uh, local schools and, and minor hockey and, and the Terry Fox run and whatnot. Um, and, and I say that is, is part of our success because it's the main reason that I was a fan of the Nanaimo Clippers is I was in grade four, didn't really know much about hockey besides a few of my, my, my friends played it and I might have gone out and seen them. But the Nanaimo Clippers showed up at my school and uh, they were God, you know, like they, these, you know, four hockey players who, who in my eyes, like I said, they were God. And when they said, you know, hey, here's a free ticket to come to a game, um, I bugged my mom for, for weeks to make sure I got to an Anima Clippers game. And, and finally, she brought me and I became a, a diehard fan and, and was going to every game that we could possibly go to. 
all because they came into my classroom and uh, you know, they, like I said, they, they were part of the community. So that was our step one was get back in the community. Uh, we really started in that off season to dive into spring hockey with our, our minor hockey um, kids in the program to make sure that they also dreamed of, of wearing an Animal Clipper jersey in the future and, and were excited to come to games and then had a, a connection or relationship with our program. I think that's kind of where uh, Wes Moose, the owner, you know, kind of saw that that was my passion and, and love for it. Um, and so, you know, uh, just under a year after being hired with the team, I was announced as the general manager and then shortly after as the team governor. Um, so, you know, everything in the organization, um, you know, uh, kind of flew through my desk. Um, but we had an incredible staff there that obviously worked uh, uh, their tails off to make our program successful. And in my second year of the organization, we had our first uh, sold-out game in over 10 years for the Nanaimo Clippers on January 31st. And, like, that was – it brought me back to the days when I was a fan, you know, watching the team under Matt Irwin and, and Jason Garrison and and all those guys, those exciting days. And, you know, it was uh, – like I said, it, it just felt like it was it was, it was was back. You know, Nanaimo Clipper hockey was back. There was an excitement in the air. Uh, we had a, a second sold-out game that, that season last year. And then obviously COVID hit and and ruined our playoff run, but we were 41 tickets away from being sold out of game one and game two of round two against Houghton Valley Capitals. And we did a, you know, paint, uh, paint the city orange campaign and businesses all across Nanaimo were were painting their, their, their windows orange and putting up Clipper jerseys. And it was just an exciting uh, time again for, for Nanaimo Clipper hockey. And, and again, it it started with me, you know, jumping into the business and and getting to the grassroots and getting back to the community foundation that uh, junior hockey is all about and, you know, benefiting obviously the community organizations that in return wanted to, to uh, show their support to our organization by uh, showing up to games and telling their friends about the, the Nanaimo Clippers and getting businesses to sponsor us and you know financially we did very well last year uh, in that respect and and uh, you know I couldn't obviously thank Wes and, and Penny Musio my owners at the time who believed in a young 23 year old at the time to come into their organization and and, and take a grapple of, of the entire business operations and then at, at you know uh, just after you know turn 23 24 uh, take a, a hold as their general manager and really run their spring development program, run their minor hockey uh, coordination to, to get, you know, kids wanting to wear Clipper jerseys. And then obviously start working with uh, our head coach, uh, Darren Naylor and our associate coach, Colin Burkus on, on the hockey department side of things. Um, it, it wasn't necessarily an easy transition because again, I did not play junior hockey. I didn't play college hockey, you know? So in this business, it's, it's an old man's group, you know, and, and I know a lot of those old school coaches aren't going to you know like to hear that, you know, a young buck saying that, but, that's the way it is, you know, and then they rule the, the, the nest. And, and, you know, unless you've played, you know, five seasons of junior hockey and, and three seasons of, of somewhere overseas or, or, or college or, or semi-pro or whatever, um, you're not necessarily respected in this business. So it, it's always an uphill battle uh, when dealing with, with the hockey department side of things. But, uh, you know, um, it, it obviously, again, I, again, I can't thank Wes and Penny enough for, for giving me the opportunity to, to be a part of this organization that I grew up uh, watching and cheering for. And like, so this is my home office and you see a Clipper jersey behind me, right? Um, it runs deep in my family. All my family were, were volunteers of the organization. And if they weren't volunteering, they were season ticket holders. Um, you know, Nanaimo was a, a community of 100,000, um, but, uh, you know, they, they love their Nanaimo Clippers. You know, it's going to its 50th anniversary. Um, obviously, I wish I, I could have been part of that, but, uh, you know, as we talk about what my next step was, you know, I always talk to, to everyone who's who's young and, and, and passionate uh, in any business, you know, um, always make sure you're, you're going after the opportunities in front of you. Um, and so, you know, some will say in my seven years, I've been with four different teams. Um, but in my mind, none of those moves, there have been lateral. They've always been a step up in, in, in you know, the ranks of, of, of hockey. Yeah, definitely. And just kind of building on what you said there, you know, it's always um, great when, somebody's willing to give you an opportunity. Like you said, it, unfortunately for, for a lot of organizations and, and kind of just the way it's been over the years, it is an old boys club and um, it can be kind of tough to break into someone who's young. Uh, but when someone does give you that opportunity and you're able to take a hold of it and really run with it. And definitely for you with the the hometown team as well, having that extra motivation, you know, personally, I was able to intern with my hometown team uh, when we went on a Kelly cup run and, and just being involved with, uh, local businesses and, and local fans and kind of being in the arena and, and having those flashbacks to when you were a kid and going to the games, it really is something special. And I think, um, you know, regardless of, of whether you're with that team now or not, you still have that memory. And uh, for anybody who has that opportunity, personally, I, I also recommend going through with that opportunity. But 
um, like you said, eventually you, you would make another move. And uh, today you're with the the Express as the vice president and general manager. So maybe once again, talk about how you kind of moved into that position and then how that experience has been to date. Yeah, absolutely. So again, it was an off-season conversation. We were in the middle of, of obviously the pandemic. Uh, you know, we were very busy in the off-season at Animal Clippers. So we we chose the the alternative route of not just sitting back and and letting the pandemic ride us. You know, we were the ones who were like, no, we're going to take a grab of this and, and be part of the community. And we did various things of Easter deliveries with with Sea Dog, our mascot, and we were heavily involved. And so the owner of the of the Coquitlam Express, Fayez Manji, you know, certainly noticed that, and, and he noticed a, a very big hole in his organization. You know, where they were only averaging 200 fans a game their, their sponsorship was was less than eighty thousand dollars a year and and no one really knew what the express was and then he wanted to make sure that he wanted to take that step up he wanted to make sure that the organization took the step in the right direction for the hockey uh, operations department and, and making sure the culture is built there um so we had many conversations over the off season um nothing concrete and then you know when conversations kind of picked up uh, towards uh you know beginning of august and then i had conversations with wes and and what the future was then in imo clippers and it was very uncertain at that time uh in, in what respect you know the organization was going to go into and like i said you know, when an opportunity presents itself you need to really uh, dive in and look if that opportunity is something that you should pursue uh for me again it was leaving my hometown team it was leaving my community that i grew up in and went to school and it was leaving my family you know, I've got three siblings, seven nephews and a niece who all live in Nanaimo, you know, so it was literally picking up my life in the middle of a pandemic, moving to the big city, um, you know, across the, the pond there um, and taking on an organization that has not historically had success in the business department. Um, and, you know, it was going to be probably the biggest challenge that I faced. And so uh, it was one of the biggest decisions I had to make in my my young professional career was to take on a role as, as vice president and GM of the Express. And, and once I, I sat down and obviously talked to my mentors, and my support system, um, it was a decision that, again, I, I had to do. You know, I want to continue to keep moving on in the organize into the business of hockey and and see where it lands me one day. And so I thought, you know, adding the the role as a vice president to an executive level, um, you know, being involved again in, in more league stuff and and really taking on an organization that does need help um, was was an option that presented itself. So when I talked to Wes and Penny, obviously it was it was a, a sad day that I had to leave the organization, um, but they understood it, they respected it, and they supported me through the whole process and. You know, now I've obviously been with the Express for the last nine months, give or take. Um, it's been a challenging one, obviously, through the pandemic and and not being able to to do what I what I like to do and, and get involved in the community and get to all the food drives and the Salvation Army kettle campaigns and minor hockey and whatnot because of the challenges faced in front of us. But, you know, we are building that uh, organization uh, essentially from the ground up again. Um, and uh, in some respects, selfishly, it's given me a huge opportunity to spend the last nine months to build that, you know, so you talk about building the house again. You know, uh, we've now spent the last nine months building that foundation. Um, and, you know, I think we're, we're going to look like a you know pretty good house come September when hopefully, you know, restrictions will ease and fans can get back into uh, the building and we can get back into the community. And, and so, again, I, I can't, uh, you know, thank Fias enough for, for again, taking an opportunity. You know, he, he needed to make a change in the organization and he brought a 25 year old uh, guy in to, to take the, the reins of his entire organization. Because at that point, I was now his vice president and general manager. Um, there, there was nobody necessarily above me in, in the hierarchy chart besides him. And so he had to put a lot of trust into me uh, to, to run an operations. Um, and, and for him, he was a brand new owner, too. So, um, you know, again, it's, it's been a roller coaster ride the last little while um, for, for us as, as an organization in the respect to obviously the pandemic, but obviously coaching staff changes and player personnel and whatnot. Um, but again, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, encourage everyone when the opportunity presents itself, you know, uh, dive deep into it. And if it's a move that's going to uh, better yourself personally, there are selfish moves you need to make in life. And, and this was one of them. You know, I had to selfishly make a move that removed me from my hometown and my community and, and my team where I probably could have stayed here for, for 10, 15, 20 years. If I really wanted to, you know, and, and that's not trying to sound cocky or anything, but we had something really good here. You know, we increased corporate sales. We had season ticket holders, the highest they've been in, in, in quite some time. We had the support from the community. Uh, we had a good hockey team. I probably could have rode this wave for, for many, many years. But, you know, for someone that, that is eager and, and wants to uh, be in this, this business um, and continue to move up, I had to take that jump. And um, I still think it's one of the, the, the best uh, professional moves I've made in my young career. Yeah, it's, it's always great when you can add that extra responsibility and 
you know, always tough. I think any time that you leave somewhere where you've seen success, it's uh, it's tough. But essentially, in the industry, um, that's when the opportunities come. You know, everybody's coming to you when, once they see you're doing good things. And you know, now in your position, like you said, it's been a different year, obviously, with the pandemic. And we'll kind of get into that here shortly. But maybe also looking at your previous general manager experience, just walk us through a, a general week in your position. And maybe talk about um, what a Monday to Friday or plus the weekend might look like for you. Yeah, I think that's the exciting thing about this job is it never is the same. You know, like like you can go to one week and if you've got, uh, you know, two games on, on a Friday, Saturday, you know, it's, it's a, a whirlwind and a roller coaster. If you've got a travel schedule coming up, if you've got a scouting event you got to attend, uh, a lot of it is obviously uh, communication. So communicating with our parents, communicating with our recruits, uh, working with all of our staff and volunteers on a daily basis to make sure that everything is being covered. Uh, junior hockey obviously is a small operation, so we don't have you know, five salespeople and, and three assistant coaches and everything, right? It's it's kind of you you have you and, and your head coach and, and maybe a, a small team of one to two people who are taking on the entire operation. So uh, every week is different, um, you know, so you go from this past week, obviously, like for us and, and with the Express is we had two games. So we focused on that. Then we had eggs interviews on Monday with our players. We did a little bit of an awards night, um, you know, and then obviously we, we started cleaning up dress rooms. Then we moved right into obviously hiring a new head coach and, and then, you know, creating budgets. And, and getting things kind of prepared on that side of things during the season, obviously in a, in a normal year, pre-pandemic, you're focusing on what you, what's upcoming for your home games, what uh, different uh, events you're going to put on, what prize you're going with, what sponsors you're working with, you know, working with your volunteer coordinator. And then all of a sudden you might have a, a week planned out that you think, yes, I'm organized this week. Everything is, is set in stone. I've got all my time put out and all of a sudden a billet issue arises or, or a player requests a trade. Or all of a sudden, uh, something is, is happening um, with with one of your spring programs, or you know. So the biggest thing that anyone get in this business is you've got to be flexible, um, and you really need to be able to ride these waves. Um, the challenge I think people have is if you come to a business and, and normally it's nine to five, Monday to Friday, or you've got a set schedule, you can't have a set schedule here. And, and my family and friends will tell you that there is not one day of, of the, the time I'm awake, seven days a week, 365 days a year that I'm not working, um, that I don't have my phone glued to me in case something arises with a sponsor, a volunteer, a player, a parent. Um, it's, it's what I think makes people successful in this business um, is you just need to be able to be versatile and flexible and, and be able to kind of take every challenge that, that get, you know, gets faced head to head. Uh, you're in a public business. So there's a lot of public eyes on you at all times um, in the junior hockey world. And like I said, you're dealing with, you know, 25 young men. And, and I say young men, you know, because they, they are still teenagers, you know, and, and they're still growing up as individuals. So, you know, one day you, you might be spending the entire day in your office with one of your players who, who is having a hard day um, and just needs someone to talk to and, and, and kind of go through his feelings and emotions. And, and especially this past year, we've had quite a bit of that uh, with the mental health side of things and, and the pandemic has, has created. So the, the exciting part about this job is there is never a week that goes uh, the same as last week. Um, and it doesn't matter. I'm pretty OCD on organization and making sure things are, are pretty tidied up and everything. But uh, the one thing I've realized, you know, again, in my short seven years in this, in this league is that you really got to be able to work with the flow. And, and see what's coming with you and, and, you know, really be adaptable in all the various changes and, and things that are going on um, because, you know, that that's the way it's got to be, right? If all of a sudden a recruit wants to talk to you, you're picking up the phone talking to that recruit, even if you're in Las Vegas, you know, um, that's just the, the, the challenges that come with this. And so, um, yeah, I, I couldn't really tell you what an average week looks like besides it's, it's up and down. It's, it's late night. Sometimes it's early mornings. Uh, sometimes it's, it's too quiet, uh, in the morning and you're, you're concerned that something's, you know, not going right. Or is your phone working because no one's called you? Um, so it's basically, you guys ride this, this wave and, as long as you've got your life jacket on and you've got a pretty good boat to ride it with and you got a great support system around you, uh, you're going to enjoy the, the ride uh, without a doubt. But uh, yeah, I think that's part of the, the most exciting part of this job, though, is, is not knowing what next week's going to bring, even if you think you've planned it out the best you can. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. And some people have joked you, you got to have a certain level of insanity to, to kind of go through the emotional roller coaster that, that it yep. is. And um, you know, every day you really don't know what's coming your way. And um, I think that's a perfect transition then into pandemic talk. And as everybody knows, it, it's been an extremely difficult year, you know, just with everything that's happened. But the BCHL was able to get some games in and, and work on some bubble systems. So 
uh, from your experience with it. Maybe just talk about um, how the experience was for you and, and give people some insight into how the BCHL season went. Yeah, I always joke with all my friends and family as planning this season has, has been has felt like I've been planning the Queen's visit. Um, it's that detailed orientated and, and that strict on all the protocols that we have to follow in order to get the season off, which we did successfully. So obviously we started the year with a lot of unknowns, but it looked like we we're going to be able to pull something off. And so we get into obviously our main camp in September, which is a bit delayed. We were able to get a few Americans across the border. Some were denied, obviously. Um, and they were able to have a bit of an exhibition uh, schedule for, for a month and a half. And and then all of a sudden, obviously, in, in mid-November, Dr. Bonnie Henry, who is our provincial health officer, uh, basically, you know, kiboshed all sports um, for, for playing. But we could still practice. So, again, we were at that point, we felt very fortunate because there were a lot of provinces in Canada that were totally closed to operations. So, you know, we took it with a grain of salt. Yeah, we can't have games anymore, but we can still practice. Uh, the problem led into po- post-Christmas now. We're still practicing, you know, and and is there a site in games and and. I went to dressing room every Friday, hoping I had good news for these players, but it really was just, you know, keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting. And then you're into February now, mid-February, where the, you know, your your internal system as a hockey player growing up, you know, February is the end of it for us. We're either entering into hopefully a long playoff run or, or it's done. So, you know, I think a lot of people's uh, mindsets were, were, were changed. That is like, man, we still have no answers yet. We're still practicing. We can't even have contact practices yet because it wasn't permitted under the PHO's guidance. Um, so, you know, that's when really the mental health kicked in. And we really need to focus uh, heavily on all of our players and, and their state of mind um, and working with them, obviously, to again, try and, and get through this all, you know, I, I use the analogy and, and whether it's appropriate or not, um, is it's like breaking up with a girlfriend, right? So last uh, March, we, we we had that breakup, right? Dr. Bonnie Henry and the world basically shut, shut us doors. And for us, that was the middle of uh, playoffs, you know, it was done. And then we were, we were teased a bit throughout the summertime. So it's like a girlfriend, right? You know, she came back, she left, she came back, but there still was a bit there, you know, October, same thing. And all of a sudden, November, she left again. But you still had a bit of hope that she was going to come back again. So you, you kind of kept toying with it, kept practicing, kept getting better as, as an individual. And then, then as you get into February, you're now one year since the first initial breakup. And now you start thinking, will we ever get back together? And that was the mindset. And, and I know for guys like you and me and, and probably a majority of, of adults in life, we know life's going to get back to somewhat of normal eventually, you know, and, and, and what we're going through sucks. And we, we get that. But we have the mental mindset, most of us, to be able to say, OK, let's you know take a deep breath. Let's get through this. It's not going to be easy. But for these teenagers, they don't know that. They truly think, is this it? Will I ever play a competitive game of hockey again? Will these restrictions ever go away? Because again, we were told last year that it was a two week bend the curve, you know, which has now turned into a year long process. And and does it look like it's going to get better? So at that point in February, our players knew that, man, maybe I'm never getting back together with that girlfriend again. You know, maybe this is the end of it. And so we really need to focus our attention onto the mental health and and, and really, uh, you know, bringing in a mental health coach and, and bringing our team chaplain and, and, and having a lot of one on one meetings with players. And, you know, if there was a benefit during the pandemic, it was that we opened our dressing room up more. You know, there was too much pre COVID that we all know about that the, the hockey players are just strong young men and have no feelings where the, where the pandemic really was able to break that wall down. Um, it's unfortunate, obviously, because I had to break it down this way. And we spent a lot of time with our players working with them on obviously, um, you know, making sure that they did see that there was a light at the end of the tunnel and that things were getting better. And, and there were a lot of late night conversations with players, a lot of players in my my office, in our coaching office, you know, having conversations about, you know, is will we ever get back to normal? And, and you know, obviously we don't have the answers, but were there support system? And a lot of these guys are away from home. So, you know, having a season during a pandemic, you know, um, and, and I don't want to say pity us, pity us, because there are other businesses and organizations out there that obviously struggled a lot more than we did. Uh, we were, like I said, able to practice throughout the entire uh, process, uh, whether it was contact or not. We were able to kind of go through and then obviously at one point in, in, in you know, March, I think it was early March, it, we were told basically on Tuesday that the season will be canceled. Um, so we shifted our focus, right, was, OK, let's start preparing ourselves how we're going to tell these players. You know, we had a few 20 year olds on our team who obviously will never play a junior hockey game again. 
and who have probably lost the opportunity to be seen by scouts again and by NCAA coaches. So we had to start for the Quilton Express where we're hosting uh, one of the pods. So it was, uh, like I said, a roller coaster ride for us here personally. We obviously went through a coaching change in the middle of that as well. Um, so when it looked like the season was being canceled, um, we started doing eggs interviews. Um, and that's, we determined that the coaching staff were not going to return for next year. Um, and then all of a sudden the season was going and, and we had 72 hours to find an interim head coach who was going to step into the role, have to quarantine for two weeks and then basically bubble his himself for, for 36 days plus. Um, so, um, you know, I can't, you know, say enough kudos to our players who, who again, like we talked about in, in working in hockey and riding that wave and being versatile, flexible. That's what they were this year. Um, and, you know, we mentioned it, like I said, I can tell them the adversity and, and the, 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 you know, um, fighting through this is going to make you a better person. They don't see that yet. Um, but uh, again, we made it, we, we, you know, 37 days or give or take, you know, what was a bubble lifestyle. Um, and we we're able to get 20 games off for, for every team. And, um, you know, obviously there was no playoffs or anything. So that part was unfortunate, but we were able to get one of our guys, a D1 commit, Ryan Tattle. And then our 20 year olds were all able to secure D3. So uh, at the end of the day, that's why we did it was for them. Yeah, I think anytime that you can uh, get the games in and push the players in the direction that they want, ultimately, uh, with those players of being in NCAA, uh, D1 and D3, it, it's just great when you can put all that together. Because like you said, there are so many provinces, um, you know, you look at Ontario, where a lot of our guests that come from, they're really struggling. And uh, here in Newfoundland, I know we were fortunate to be able to play from October uh, until February when we had some trouble and then finish our season here the last month. But definitely a, a lot of things to consider there. And Moving into maybe the BCHL talk, um, you know, a lot of people know it's a, it's a great development league, Junior A, as you can see with your team, just players going to NCAA directly from your program. Uh, maybe for people who aren't as familiar, just give a little bit of background on the BCHL and the level of play that um, listeners and, and viewers can expect. Yeah, obviously I'm biased. I, I, I'm a BCer, you know, kind of, I won't say born because I wasn't born here, but raised here. So I, I obviously have been able to watch the BCHL my whole life and now I'll be able to spend seven years as an employee in the league. Uh, we're entering our 60th anniversary next season. So it's, it's a long, uh, you know, history between the BCHL. Uh, throughout the years, we've obviously been, I think, touted as the number one junior A league in, in Canada and been able to secure more NCAA scholarships than any other league in Canada. So uh, for us, we're, we're 18 teams now with the addition of the Cranbrook Bucks and we have one team in the United States, the Wenatchee Wild, and then of course we have teams all across British Columbia um, that compete, uh, you know, every year for for the Fred Page Cup trophy and. Like I said, we we hold ourselves to a pretty high standard here. Um, our our you know goal is modern hockey, um, and and it's funny we, we talk about modern hockey because we talk about the new way of of coaches and new way of GMs and the younger style. That's how the game's changing too. And so our goal every year is to provide obviously opportunities for our players uh, to be scouted from the NCAA level and obviously the NHL level too. Um, you know, as of recently, Alex Newhook was a Victoria Grizzly player who was drafted the Colorado Avalanche and played in his first NHL game. Um, so that's that's part of it. The exciting part, obviously, with junior hockey is these kids, you know, aren't uh, getting paid um, any type of, of money or any type of benefits uh, besides playing for their own career. You know, so I'm not going to sit here and, and, and talk down about any other league or or, or you know, the WHL or, or QMJHL or anything. Um, but I think, you know, our, our league has the, the most talent, um, you know, per, per uh, you know, each, each given to a league. And, and we get the most, obviously, scholarships uh, committed to our players. And, you know, we put a, a high focus on that. And that's obviously the culture that we try and build uh, within each, each team. And, and again, it takes all 18 teams to buy into that. Right. If, if it was just the Express, we wouldn't be successful. But it's the Express, the Penticton V's, the Surrey Eagles, the Nanaimo Clippers, then the list goes on and on and on. And so we're very fortunate to have, you know, 18 strong governors at the table every single year who are voting on various changes that make our league stronger and better uh, for our athletes. Um, and so, again, I'm, I'm proud to be, you know, have spent seven years in the BCHL as an employee, having spent five or so as a fan um, growing up watching, you know, the, the guys play and, and live out their dream. And again, I think for anyone who is who is looking to take the junior hockey route, you've got to do your research and your due diligence because the BCHL is not for everyone. You know, sometimes players will play better hockey in the Alberta Junior Hockey League or the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League or, or the OJ, right? Um, you really got to do your due diligence. We're probably, uh, you know, like I said, probably the faster uh, of the various leagues in Canada. Um, but it doesn't mean that we're the best for every single player. 
right? Um, so uh, again, I, I, I'm very biased when I talk about all this. I've never worked in the AJ. I've never worked in the MJ, the SJ, et cetera. I've obviously been able to watch games and I've been to RBC Cups um, and uh, and whatnot. But uh, again, I think the BCHL does an incredible job um, from its its league office to its governors, to its coaches and GMs, to its players of, of really representing one of the best brands of, of junior hockey in Canada. Yeah, I really think it is a, a very high level league. And, and like you said, every league ha- kind of has its different programs and things like that. But uh, you have a number of teams buying into that development process in the BCHL. And Alex Newhook, um, you know, a player I'm familiar with coming from St. John's, he actually works with yeah. us in, in our private hockey with Vision Hockey Group. And uh, you've seen the success that he's had now working, uh, now playing in the NHL with Colorado. But, uh, you know, a lot of players ha- have different development routes, and the BCHL has shown. Um, you know, it can be the right option for a lot of players. Uh, before moving into some reflective questions, another question I want to ask you is about Coquitlam specifically. Um, definitely, you know, pro- close proximity to Vancouver and Burnaby. Um, they're kind of a different hockey market than some of the others in the BCHL. Just talk about the uh, the community itself and the support for the hockey team. Yeah, I think that's the interesting one is there's a lot of hockey support and a lot of minor hockey organizations in the Tri-Cities, which is Coquitlam, Port Coquitlam and, and Port Moody. And then, like you said, you get into 12 minutes to, to Burnaby, one of the fastest growing cities in British Columbia, New Westminster, um, you know, Maple Ridge, etc. They're kind of all in that that Tri-City area that is just you know growing each day. So a lot of support. The problem is, is that we're not that far from the Vancouver Canucks, where we're not that far from from other you know organizations and, and things that are going on. So unlike Nanaimo and, and Port Alberni, where you know basically the Clippers and the Alberni Valley Bulldogs, that was the main show in town. You know, and that was the excitement thing. So for us, you know, moving forward in Coquitlam is they have not had a, a large fan support. But the fans that do support them are very vocal and very strong supporters. You know, we've got some incredible fans that, that I, I email almost on a, on a weekly basis about updates and various things that are going on. Uh, same with our sponsors. We've got some incredible local sponsors who, you know, jump at the opportunity to support the team and support its players. It's just how do we grow that? How do we grow it so that we're averaging 1,600 plus fans a game like the Nanaima Clippers, the Alberni Valley Bulldogs? And how do we get that local market to show people that this is junior hockey? These are guys who, who played minor hockey in our local areas who are, you know, just living out their dream and, and need the support to continue. Um, you know, we enter our 20th anniversary next year as, as the express organization. Of course, we started as Coquitlam, moved to Burnaby, back to Coquitlam, so still in that same area. And, uh, you know, our goal moving, you know, post-pandemic is, is to get the fans out, get them excited for express hockey and really see the excitement that, uh, you know, these players have. Again, they're not paid. These are athletes that are that are working their tails off um, to try and get commitments to further their education and further hockey career while trying to become young, uh, positive role models in the community. And then that's our, our goal is to, to when we can is to get to minor hockey organizations and teams and, and get to the Terry Fox run, um, you know, and, and, and be an active member in the community um, that people really see that. Yeah, you know, I can get to a Vancouver Canucks game, you know, 22 minutes uh, from my house in, in Coquitlam. Um, but uh, it's two minute drive to Quitlam's arena and uh, there's some in- incredible hockey going on there. One thing that we are very fortunate about is, is being in the lower mainland and, and so close to Vancouver International Airport is we get a lot of scouts. Um, so we probably average more scouts than any other team in the BCHL. So for us, that's always great for our players um, and, and being able to be viewed on. But from the community aspect, you know, it's it's strong. We just need to find a way to make it a lot stronger so that, again, we can be filling up the arena on a Friday night when the Kukulam Express take on the Langley Rivermen. Um, and there's just that excitement that uh, other communities seem to have that uh, we have not had yet. Yeah. And, you know, every community has its, its various aspects, but it's it's great to hear the situation that you're in. And, and like you said, those fans that, that are engaged are very uh, passionate and vocal and you know it's something that i like to ask a lot of people in hockey operations and these are the type of questions that uh, you can have in these conversations and the people at my hockey resource have uh, created a platform to to have those conversations and on their platform they have coaches managers uh, video coaches analysts all these different positions so for anybody looking to connect with others in the industry and learn more be sure to check out my hockey resource on twitter and instagram tally one of the things that they do on there as well is talk about certain resources such as books articles um, conferences, programs, all these different things that they look to learn from and reference for new ideas. For you personally, what are some of your favorite resources uh, that you can share with listeners for learning about hockey and even business and other things in the industry? 
Yeah, mine are, are the people involved in hockey, right? So uh, growing up, I was a big Brian Burke fan, you know, so I was always able to, to follow what he was doing and anything that he released, I was always reading. Uh, being a broadcaster or a wannabe broadcaster at one point, James Duffy was always someone that I, I idolized growing up. Uh, in the local market, Bill Beswick, you know, he was the, the former head coach and GM of the Nanaimo Clippers for many years and, and gave me my first opportunity through it. So, you know, those are guys, obviously, you know, uh, watching hockey. The, the biggest challenge we have nowadays is the, the, the 10 second clips of the Michigan goal or, or Connor McDavid's incredible snipe from the point, you know, it, it's watch the full game, you know, like really dive yourself into it and not just watch the clips and highlights that, that you think is the game. That's not the game. So for me, you know, I wouldn't say there's one or two things that, that, that kind of stand out for me that, uh, you know, and, and being able to watch uh, the various, uh, you know, hockey analysts and, and, and GMs in, the, in their press conferences and, and be able to reach out to mentors, uh, people in our own league. Barry Douglas in Chilliwack. He's been a you know a guy who's been doing sales and marketing in our league for for quite some time. So any chance I get, I pick up a phone and call him. Um, and I think that's part of the unfortunate ego driven business we're in is that people are too afraid to pick up the phone and ask a question. Um, where I get to use my age, I guess, as a bit of a, a as a, as an excuse that hey, I'm young and I'm new, and so I'm gonna pick up the phone and, and give you a call and, and ask a question that you may think is dumb. Um, but I, I, you know, that, that's one of, I think the, the biggest things I've been able to learn in this business is don't be afraid, you know. And so I've been very fortunate to, to gain a, a lot of, you know, what I call as friends in the business now. Uh, you know, Reed Mitchell, the Toronto Maple Leafs Director of Hockey Operations. I lean on him a lot on, on asking various advice on, on scouting and, and tips of, of what to do, what not to do. Uh, you know, I've had conversations with other John Tortorella uh, and, and, you know, things of, of the nature of, of the business. And so it's really just having that that open contact book and, and being able to not be afraid to pick up the phone a, and ask a question. And a lot of these guys have been in the business a long time, you know, want to be able to uh, be be insightful and, and, and provide tips and, and tricks that uh, they learned along their way. Um, so for me, again, I wouldn't say it's a book necessarily. I've, I've read obviously a lot of hockey books, you know, um, you know Bob McKenzie's and whatnot, um, but more so it's just being resourceful and, and, and connecting to people online like we're doing now that, you know, is going to keep, you know, relationship open as, as, as time goes on and, and things, you know, move, you know, and, and being able to pick up the phone and, 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 you know, give you a call or, or give whoever a call and ask a question that that's, I think the biggest thing that, uh, you know, for me, I use as resource as I, as I move in my hockey career. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like how you say you might use your age as an excuse. I think I, I definitely use the podcast as an excuse in the same way yeah. and talking with people in the industry. But, um, you know, when you put yourself out there, you can learn a lot and there's only so much you can learn from books and, and, and whether, um, you know, there's great books and, and don't get me wrong, there's a lot of information, but I do think the connections and the mentors, like the people that you said that you've reached out to and talked with, they can, uh, you know, at the end of the day, provide the most information and maybe you share some as well. So um, taking all that into consideration and your career and everything you've learned to date, someone, maybe a 20, 21 year old is looking to get into the industry and, and not really sure how to do it. What's one final piece of advice that you would give them in hopes that they would be successful? Yeah, I think the advice would be volunteer, right? Like, like that's the biggest thing a lot of people need to to learn in, in this business and any business you're jumping into is, is don't be afraid again to put your neck out there and volunteer. That's what I did, right? I was an Anama Clipper fan as I grew up uh, through elementary school and into high school. And and then I started realizing broadcasting was something I wanted to do. And I loved hockey. I, I called the Anama Clippers office. You know, it was, wasn't the easy thing I did. I think it took me five or six days to pick up the courage to actually pick up the phone and give someone a call. Um, and I talked to that time, Jen Kennedy, who was their director of, of marketing and sales and said, hey, you know, I'm a grade 12 student uh, at John Barsby School in Nanaimo. I, I like broadcasting. I like hockey. I've been a fan. You know, is there any chance I can volunteer? Um, and then she you know, walked me with open arms. And next, you know, I was I was a game day host for the Nanaimo Clippers. So I was on the microphone. I was getting to know fans. And and then, you know, I was lucky enough that, you know, that hard work, I guess, was noticed by the head coach, Bill Beswick. And when he moved to Victoria, he brought me there as well. So I think a lot of it is stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, and I, I truly believe that I would not be where I am today if I didn't step out of my comfort zone. Obviously, I've got a lot of people in life to thank, a lot of people who have helped me uh, through this process to get where I am. Um, but it still comes within you, right? You still need to be the first person to make that jump and make that step into the uncomfortable zone. And then when you get to there, you find out that wasn't that bad. That was actually pretty exciting. And once you do it once, it becomes easier. 
You know, uh, again, I, seven years ago, I was a game day host for the Nanaimo Clippers. Seven years later, I'm now the vice president and general manager of the Coquitlam Express BCHL team. You know, one of the uh, greatest programs in, in, in the BCHL um, as the youngest um, executive in the league. Right. And, and that would never have happened if I didn't take that step to the next level and, and take that step out of my comfort zone. Um, and again, like I said, a lot of people to thank during that process. But biggest thing is. Step out, ask questions, volunteer if you had a chance to volunteer. You know, um, it, it, uh, any organization wants to bring a volunteer who wants to, to provide, you know, free services, right? Um, and, and that's how you get your foot into the door. And, and then you get a whole new understanding of, of the game and what you need to do to be successful in the game as you watch others become successful. Um, so my, my one advice would be volunteer when you have a chance. Yeah, really just put yourself out there and, and volunteering can be a grind. But I think if you if you do it the right way and really put yourself in a position to to learn and succeed, you never know where you'll end up. And some people might not have a, a passion to work in hockey or, or feel like it's a possibility, but you kind of create that connection. And, and who knows, maybe down the road, you're you're in a position that you're excited to uh, to go into every day. But uh, Dahlia, again, I just want to thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I really enjoyed the conversation and learning about your career as well as the BCHL. So thanks again, and, and hopefully things continue to go well. Um, hopefully COVID isn't uh, impacting next season, and I wish you all the best moving forward. Thank you, Ryan. All right, take care. You too. Support for the Hockey Minds podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada, and for those listeners in Canada, and I know there's a lot of you, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Everybody has had that experience where the trimming has not gone right, and we want to change that. So get with Manscaped, who has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, this is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave, and the waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. Throw in one of the coolest features, which is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming experience. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quad stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. And if you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code HockeyMinds at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code HockeyMinds. It's time to shave those balls, eh? I'd like to thank Tally for joining me today and talking about his experiences in the game of hockey. I always like hearing the careers of those without a playing background, and Tally exemplifies hard work and how dedication can overcome the player aspect often associated with hockey operations and management roles. If you would like to get in touch with Tally to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Check back in the coming days as we have a number of new guest announcements for you, including our next guest, which you will see on our next release this upcoming Sunday. Once again, thank you to everyone for your support of the podcast and for making it the success that it has been thus far. We've been able to tell a lot of stories of many people in hockey operations, and we hope to continue doing so moving forward. As always, stay safe, and all the best.